Hello, welcome to Motherhood Out Loud, a safe place for mothers to talk openly about their experiences without fear of judgment or shame. Our hope is for women to realize that we're not alone in the variety of emotions we feel and that we're able to provide a more loving community for future moms. Let's take take our our power back and and live motherhood out loud. With Carla and Cindy. Hey guys, welcome again to Motherhood Out Loud with Cindy and Carla. We have a very special guest today. So I actually met her husband first, Kevin, and he kind of connected me to her and and everything that they've been through. So her name is Karam and she is a pharmacist. So we're going to go ahead and speak to her about her motherhood journey. Karam, hi. Hi guys. Good morning. Good morning. So Karam, I just wanted you to go ahead and give us a little bit of background on your relationship, how everything started, how the uh, conversation of kids came up, and then how that whole process went for you. Of course. Yes, definitely. Um, So Kevin and I go way back, way back, meaning we met each other in middle school. Um, We started dating in high school when I had just turned 16. He was about to turn 16. And we've been together ever since. Um, I know, it's been a long time. (laughs) We're we're getting to the point where we've been together almost half our lives. Um, So it's, it's been, you know, it's been nice to grow up with your best friend and um, getting to go through all these different stages of life uh, with him. So, I mean, it just, I think we kind of like, I think we've always been most of like planners, you know, what are we going to do with our life? Um, so it just kind of was a, a natural approach. I think, you know, after high school, we both kind of realized, you know, we still want to be together and yes, we're young, but we're going to make it work. And uh, here we are. <laughs> um, we've been married since... Um, but it's all going to be almost four years in March and we're going to have been, we would have been together. Well, we'll be together. It'll be 14 years at, at that oh point. My God. So it's a long time coming. Um, so needless to say, uh, you know, we kind of always had a plan in mind um, with regards to, you know, we wanted to finish school first. We wanted to get our house first. We wanted to get married first. Um, kind of more the traditional approach to things and you know we've been very fortunate that everything has kind of lined up and here we are um you know all these years later um with a house with our babies and our jobs um but definitely you know it, I wish it was it would have been as easy as that sounds um you know we have had our uh with regards to you know having her family um there was issues that came up that we never expected for that to happen. Um, you know, um, we when we got married, we had initially planned like, well, we'll wait a couple years, you know, and then start trying. Um, but, you know, at that point, we had already been together 10, almost 11 years. So we were like, you know what, why not? If it happens, it happens, you know. So we were kind of like that approach. Um, but then it's like, well, no, let's actually start trying. And, you know, it, we started trying um, around the fall of when we got married. We got married in 2018. Um, so at that time, that's when we started officially trying to get pregnant. Um, you know, and then, well, of course, I got on, like, you know, my prenatal vitamin. Um, I We started just, you know, the process of, you know, trying to time things. Um, 
few months went by, nothing happened. And I was like, okay, you know, well, let's just keep trying and we'll see. And I kind of had in my head, it's like, everyone just kind of like, oh, you know, there's been, it's been such a long time of trying to not get pregnant. So when you want to get pregnant, you kind of expect it to happen right away. <laughs> you know? So it wasn't happening. So that was definitely, you know, stressful. Um, I didn't realize how stressful it was going to be. And I would try not to stress about it because everyone's like, just relax. It's going to happen. Just relax. And then finally, um, you know, I have my my appointment with my OB-GYN coming up. And there, I was like, I told him, it's like, you know, well, we're actively trying. And he's like, well, you know what? Um, you guys have to at least try for a full year because you guys are so young um, before we start doing any kind of testing. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess we'll keep trying, you know. Um, I think at that point I was, how old was I? Like 26? Six or 27 almost I think I was 27 I had just turned 27 um so um I mean yeah I mean time was on our side but you know when you want something to happen and it's not happening and you see everyone it happened for everyone else it's kind of like discouraging very discouraging um so it wasn't until that summer so summer 2019 when I got some blood work done and then my doctor was like, yeah, some of your hormones are like a little bit elevated, but here's some medication. It's going to bring it down. Um, it should happen. I'm like, okay. Then that summer, like fall. And then I was like, okay, it's been like nearly a year and of trying and still nothing. So then at that point, it took a whole year for my doctor to my OB guy to say, okay, you know what? Let's test your husband too. Um, so he just sent, you know, testing for both of us again. Um, and at that point was when like, oh, you know what, you know, this isn't normal. Um, these results are not normal with regards to, you know, your husband's results. Um, and I think you guys should go talk to a reproductive endocrinologist, which uh, is an RE. Um, they're the ones that deal with, like, the fertility specialty. Um, right. So at that point, and which was nice that he was down the street from my doctor. So I'm like, okay, well, you know. <laughs> make our way over there. Um, you know, of course, uh, when we got like the, that, um, those results back, it was kind of surprising. Um, I guess, you know, we never really expected anything to be wrong with either of us. Um, and, um, but we went, you know, we kind of just like, I think both of us having like a more medical background, uh, kind of helped us like, um, process things a little bit more you know it's kind of like okay these are the facts this is what we need to do and this is how it's going to get done other than it's like what are we going to do you know uh, other you know completely being clueless with um you know in this complete like new realm of things so we ended up getting our appointment pretty much right away i think we kind of waited like maybe a month or two to get in with the with this specialist um he saw us uh he made us get more blood work done and essentially came back with the same results Mm-hmm. Um, he was pretty honest with us from the get-go. Um, I liked him that about him a lot. Uh, you know, uh, he basically said, um, if you guys were to try on your own, um, maybe there's like a one to two percent chance you'll get pregnant on your own. You know, wow. so wow. essentially saying you guys can't get pregnant on your yeah, own. Yeah, it's impossible almost. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um. So I mean, you know, uh, we definitely were like, okay, well what do we need to do? You know, tell us what we need to do. We'll get it done. And then, so he's like, well, there's different steps to fertility specialty. Um, we can start you on medications. We can do like time intercourse. They can also do IUIs, which is uh, intrauterine insemination. Um, there's also IVF. 
um, given your all's results, uh, for your test results, um, I will be leaning more towards the IVF option. Uh, mostly because, you know, why waste time, why waste money on other options that might not even work? You know, probably are not going to work, to be honest with you. So, you know what? And then we were like, okay, um, you know, he like, he left the room. And we were talking about it. And then it's kind of like, well, I mean, he gave us the option. It's like, you guys are super young. He's like, you guys can wait if you want to. But then it's like, well, what are we waiting for? You know, it's like, at that point, you know, if, if as, you know, years go by, you know, as, as, you know, as women, we need to be more conscious as to like how our fertility can decline every single year. Um, so we were just kind of like, you know what, um, we're ready for it. Um, it's going to be a process, and but we're ready and we're good to go. And it's something that we do want to proceed with. And, you know, looking back at things, I'm kind of very glad that we did it right then and there. Um, you know, who would have imagined COVID would have happened, uh, you know, a couple of years later? It was about, it was the end of 2019 when all this was exactly. happening, right? Oh my yes, God. exactly. Yeah. COVID was like right around, it's peaking right around the corner and we didn't even know. Exactly. Wow. So I'm like, you know what, I'm so glad we took that decision. Otherwise things would, we, you know, would have gotten kept like pushback, more and more pushback yeah. and who knows when it would have happened. Um, so um, that was that, of course, you know, uh, when, before going to our specialist, um, we did, frantically, we were like looking at our like health insurance, like, is it covered? Is it not? What is covered? How much money do we have to work with, you know? Um, and then, you know, fortunately, um, I have the, my our insurance is through my husband and he has great insurance um, to the point where, you know, they give you like X amount of money for towards fertility purposes and there is fertility coverage. Um, thank God it, there is, you know, because as you all might know, it's very expensive. Um very expensive. So we are one of the lucky ones that do have um, that coverage. Um, of course, you know, um, I had to jump through hoops, like, you know, like during my work, uh, during work, uh, during lunchtime, I would spend my whole hour, like trying to get a hold of these insurance companies and like making sure that they had the correct information so that our, like, it would actually like procedures would be approved. Medications should be approved. Um, Again, I keep going back to like, oh my gosh, um, if I didn't have this foundation of like healthcare, like how to ma navigate, you know, like especially like with specialty pharmacies, um, you know, different testing that needs to that needs to get completed. Like if I didn't know any of that, oh my gosh, I can't imagine how much extra stress that would have caused. So nice. I feel very blessed that we did have that um, available to us, and um, you know, well. We proceeded with it. Um, the the way that I know. Go ahead. It's crazy that um, even though you had the you know in, in your insurance, it's you would think it would be easy. Like I have it in my insurance; it's covered. It's like no, you have to go prove to these people that like this is actually happening. You have to make sure that they're doing all. Like I wish it was just like easy. Like they said, it's covered here. Like open that door and that's it. But the fact that you still had to like fight and call and like be on the phone all the time trying to make sure that's just added stress that I wish was eliminated. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, there was many a times that literally like I would spend hours on the phone just trying to get procedures approved or medication approved. Um, 
it's frustrating but again I just kept like going back to like okay you know this is fine we're we're very blessed we're very fortunate that we do have this option how many you know um I mean you know like after going through all this you know now looking back I think about it and it's like wow many people don't even have the option you know it's it's would never even be an option so that's what kept me grounded that's what I think kept me like okay you know what you're you're gonna be fine and then just breathe through it and it'll it'll be okay so yeah and how just another two hours on the phone yeah (laughs) Yeah, just just another two hours it's okay another two hours we're good (laughs) I was gonna say what is the how did you guys handle like finding out that something was wrong? Like was, especially from your husband's point of view, if you know, I'm sure you do, like you guys talked about it. How did he feel and how did you feel? Because we tech, you know, society tends to think that it all lies on the woman. And like, if something's not going right, it's the woman's fault or it's something with the woman's body. Was, was it a shock to find out that it was not you? And how did Kevin like handle that as well? Yeah. So, like you said, it's not something, well, even just like any fertility issues are not very much spoken about in society, especially here in our Hispanic culture, um, you know, um, so that, that was something big for us. But uh, I think it's it's really sad for men. Um, there's not a lot of support out there. There's not a lot of anything for them out there. Um, but um so I can definitely tell you, like, I think he was very sad. He was, he, I think we both were, you know, we both were, um, you know, we had this idea of forming our family one way and, you know, knowing that it wasn't going to happen the traditional way um, was sad for both of us. Um, I think it was really, I we definitely went through a period of where we were just both really sad, but um, I think what helped us overcome that was the, the planner and you know in both of us <laughs> um mm. that we we're like we're just gonna it's just gonna we're gonna make it happen um I think it also was the fact that we were just so naive at that point that you know it's like okay well there's IVF but you know we we were kind of like yes it's gonna happen it's just gonna happen and you know what fortunately it did happen for us But looking back, um, again, I see so many people go through this and they don't have that happy ending, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, you know, I I mean, definitely hard for both of us. I think obviously more so for him. Um, Of course, you know, I always tell him, you know, this is not of like whose fault is it? Um, We're a couple. Um, so we're a couple at first, and this is our problem, not just one person's. Um, so I really mm-hmm. definitely try to, you know, have him see it that way too. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't like the word fault either because it's really no, it's no one's fault. Like, I mean, it, yeah. just, is what it, it just is what it is. I mean, what are you going to do? Exactly. It is what it is. Karim, can you walk us through like the actual process and how you felt physically and emotionally through it and and just how your experience was with your doctor. Sure, of course. Um, so the IVF process, oh my gosh, is it a process? It's a huge process. Um, there's so much planning involved. There's so much, you know, timing, like proper timing of everything. Um, you know, f- uh, the way that the, so there's only one special, like fertility clinic here in, in town that does procedures here in town. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> our options are very limited. Um, I know people who have sometimes gone, you know, out of state and they'll, they'll stay a couple of weeks wherever the clinic is and then just do it right then and there and come back. Um, 
But you know what? We just went with the fertility specialist here. And um, he'd had decent reviews. Um, we felt, you know, we felt comfortable with him. I, again, we were like um, happy that he was to the point. He was, you know, presented us with facts and, you know, this is how it's going to be. And, and that's it. So I was like, okay, you know, well, let's just give it a try. Um, again, just kind of, you know, I think at that point we were both and just like, let's just, we were just kind of like, we just need to get it done. It's just going to happen. Um, so then he plans out, like, because there is that just that one specialty clinic, um, it's hard for everyone to get scheduled um, at different times because everything is just comes down to timing. So mm-hmm. what he does is like he... It sounds it sounds kind of bad, but he does batches of patients throughout the year. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. like, it just sounds very mechanical, right? But that's how he has to have it get it done in order for things to um, you know progress smoothly. Um, so I remember, so it was like fall, winter twenty nineteen, and then so we got scheduled for the process to be started um, for an egg retrieval in February of twenty twenty. Um, so, uh, at that point I had already received my, my medications. I received them that December in the mail. Um, so one day I came home from work and I got my big Christmas present to myself. <laughs> it was a <laughs> box of medications, a box of syringes. It's uh, everything. You can, like, I had a whole pharmacy in my house. Um, so it was kind of daunting, but you know, um, I was like, I was able to get organized and, you know, get everything planned and ready to go. Um, so come January, I had to start like mid January, I had to start some medication to suppress my um, ovulation. Again, this was to so that way, like everyone in that same group could have the same like start date of their period, same, you know, and that way they could start the pressing process at the same time. Um, so it was a, it's called, that medication is the, the Lupron, that's what it's called. Um, again, this is suppressing the, your, um, your hormones, and then that way you're not ovulating early. Um, and then come February, that's when I started uh, the actual um, stimulation medication. Um, and then that one, there was a couple. Um, one that I will always remember is the one that's called Menopure. Um, that one burns so bad when you inject it to your abdomen. Oh, and nice. I, 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 I hated it. I hated it. But I was just like, it's just temporary. It's just temporary. It's just like a week oh or two that you have to do this. And that's it. Um, so in between that, yeah, like the, that you're doing like all these injections, um, mostly they're all going to go into like the abdomen area, um, except for the progesterone and oil injections. Those go into your butt. Oh my gosh, those are painful. Uh, it was like a two-inch needle. Um, I had Kevin help me with those because I, I was like not gonna about to inject myself there. Um, but he helped me mm. a lot. So one way he got involved into this whole process was like he would prep all my meds for me. The no. pharmacist and him, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> I know both of you are probably yeah, like <laughs> yeah. Like he would just like, he would just get everything ready for me, and then just he would just like, you know, be there with me as I had to inject the medication, or if he had to give me some um, injections, he would give them to me. So he was very helpful and supportive along the way, you know, knowing that, like, a lot of it does land, obviously, on the women's side when you're going through IVF. Right. Um, but again, he was super supportive, super helpful. Um, and then so we had to do multiple injections during the day. Every so often, we would have to do, um, I would have to do lab work, 
go clean up blood work as well as get ultrasounds done because essentially what this medication is doing it's like overstimulating your ovaries so they can produce as many eggs as possible and that way come retrieval time they can um you know retrieve as many as possible and therefore increase the chance of you know more chances of forming embryos when you know the time is ready. So I very clearly remember uh, having to do what is called my trigger shot at my brother's house, and at that point we hadn't told my brother yet. So it was it was interesting because we um, that was the first time that Kevin was going to give me um, a first IM injection in my, in my bed. <laughs> so he was like, my mom was there with him. He was like showing him how to do it. So there was three of us squeezed into this tiny little bathroom. And then, and then we come out and it's like, oh, hi guys, we're here, everything's fine. Um, um, so that was the trigger shot. Um, that basically what it does, it helps release your, your, um, your eggs. Um, and then that way they're, they're there for the doctor to harvest, uh, the following morning. Um, so it's, you know, very time like, sensitive. Um, and then the following morning, I went, I had my procedure done. And I just remember waking up and it's like, okay, we're good to go. That was that. Yeah. Looking back, I'm like, man, I should have taken more time off work, let my body rest and recover. I thought I felt fine, but then it turns out I wasn't fine. I actually ended up developing a little bit of um, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. It's OHSS. Um, Essentially, that's when like your hormones are just super high through the roof. But that can cause like um, you retaining fluid in your abdominal cavity. That that can also, I I told Kevin, I was like, I can't breathe. I was like, I I was about to make him go like to the emergency room to take me because I couldn't breathe. I had him go buy a pulse oximeter. I was like, and he's like, your oxygen's fine. You're fine. And I'm like, I swear to God, I can't breathe. But again, it was just the, the excess number of hormones that I had in my body. It was so scary. I was like, I was terrified. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I was fine. You know, ultimately it, the doctor greeted it a mild case, you know, and he's like, you know what, we'll put a pause on any potential transfer at this time. So normally when they do like the egg retrieval, some physicians will do a fresh embryo transfer, or you can like put a pause, let your body clear all that extra hormone that that you have in your body and then do a frozen embryo transfer. I think, you know, at that point, we were both so excited about having just like the transfer done right then and there. But if we were to have done that, that would have, you know, further increased the level of hormones like the HCG hormone, obviously, and everything else and had, you know, I could have ended up in the hospital if that was the case. So that's why the doctor was like, you know what, this is not the smart choice. The smart choice is to wait and then you guys can come back and we'll get it done then. So I'm like, okay. But um, so that happened. Um, that was kind of crazy. Uh, so then this was what, late February. We had a scheduled our transfer for um, March, April. And then, and then COVID happened. And then everything just got shut down. Life got, you know, put on hold. Um, and it was so sad. <laughs> did they? So did it push back your April or May date? Like it was, yeah. yeah, it was just postponed. It was like... So there was no, no end in sight at that point. Um, I remember, you know, I would always get on the, there's, so there's like a, the reproductive endocrinology guidelines available online. Like they're just like, there's guidelines for everything, right? So I remember like pretty much like on a weekly basis that they would be updated with regards to COVID and everything happening um, because this was considered an elective procedure, 
So our, our elective procedures at that time were placed on hold and then including this. So it was really sad. I just, um, I remember, so everything had just been put on hold. I remember like looking again on a week to week basis to see when things would get started again. Um, and it wasn't until sometime in May, I remember. So between like February to May, just kind of like placing, like being on hold and, you know, not being able to do anything. So it was, it was rough. It was definitely rough. But finally, you know, in company, um, there was a light at the end of the tunnel and they told us, it's like, okay, we'll get you guys scheduled. Everything is good to go now. We're restarting procedures. Um, so we'll get you scheduled, but the next available slot isn't until August. So it's like, oh my oh gosh, more wow. waiting. Really it testing was, your patience. <laughs> yes, patience. And yeah, it was just, it was hard. I think for sure that time of like being in limbo was definitely the hardest. And then, you know, obviously like, you know, what coming May, it's like what holiday lands in May, you know, Mother's Day and going like in the middle of going through all this it was just really really hard for both of us but I yeah it was just a really sad time but um we were like at that point it's like okay well we have a time frame for everything August came and then um what happened so in August uh, I remember early August again we started the Lupron injections again for timing so that way like everyone that was doing a transfer that time that month would be on the same timeline and then, um, so yeah, so we uh, transferred at the end of the month. I believe it was like August 29th. Um, we transferred one of our embryos. Oh, and I'm so sorry, I completely skipped this. But we ended up with five embryos from the from the egg retrieval. And then uh, from that process, we ended up with five embryos. Um, I remember they were able to retrieve about 15, 15 eggs. From those eggs, um, like 12 fertilized, and from those fertilized, five made it to, you know, whatever time. I think it's day five. That's usually when they freeze them again. So at that point, like, they're well-developed. They have, you know, like, um, the cell development is appropriate for them to be frozen at that point. Um, so it's like, okay, cool. We actually didn't do any genetic testing on the embryos themselves. Um it was not recommended for us given our age and our lack of, you know, uh, we weren't genetic carriers for any illnesses. And of course, I, at that point, like, you know, I had never, well, you know, I've never had um, a miscarriage. So um, they didn't do extra testing on me that, for, you know, genetically speaking. So we had our five embryos. Um, they were just frozen uh, in time um, <laughs> until like August. Uh, so August came along and um, the doctor decided well, you know what? You've never been pregnant before. Um, so we don't know how your body's going to respond to this. So we'll just transfer the one embryo. So we were like, okay, that makes sense. Of course, you know, the, with, the thing is with when if you start transferring more than one embryo, you run into the issue of having multiples and a pregnancy of multiples is always like higher risk. He's just like, well, just do one. Although, trust me, at that time, I know the idea of just having a baby was like, you know, that was like my main goal. So like the tra- like transferring two embryos definitely crossed my mind <laughs> a few times. Uh, right, yeah. Until you're uh, not sleeping and they're here. <laughs> and then you're like, <laughs> exactly. So finally, we transferred our one, uh, one of our embryos, um, which is my daughter now. Um, but, uh, you know, like, you know, it was a girl when they were doing transfer or no? 
No, so we didn't do any genetic testing on the embryo. Oh, so it didn't so, test for it. So the gender. We, didn't, we didn't test for gender. Wow. We didn't test for anything. So it was just kind of like, okay, one of five, you know, we'll see. That's cool uh, because I always thought that when you do IVF, you always know the gender. So I always thought like, if I thought to myself, if I ever had to go through that, like, I, I would kind of want to be surprised. But then at the end of the day, I don't want like some guy in a lab being like, well, I'm going to give her a girl. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I felt like that. <laughs> you don't want them to cool. choose. Yeah. No, exactly. Oh, so I, that is so cool. So at least you had that surprise too. Right? Oh, definitely. No, it was a huge like surprise that. for us. So, um, so you know, finally our transfer happened. Um, it was nice because, uh, you know, it, for whatever reason, that weekend ended up, or that week, we actually had um, family in town. So, I, it was it's one of my mom's sisters and her family so like I'm really close to them so they knew about everything as well and um, it was just nice to have the support of everyone you know I remember mm-hmm. they were just like okay like I came back from the clinic that day and they were like no 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 you just go lay like go lay down they brought me like some warm tea like made sure I was like very comfy and everything and it was just nice <laughs> you know yeah, but it, yeah. it's so crazy to think it's just like oh it's like oh you're you're actually pregnant at that time technically speaking mm-hmm. um, you know hopefully you're praying that it sticks you know praying that everything goes the right way but um yeah you're technically pregnant at that point um so then I remember I was gonna have to wait 10 or 11 days um for them to do the blood work um you know to test to see if I was pregnant or not halfway through like I think it was like that weekend, I remember feeling like just cramping on and off. And I was like, I don't know if this is like period cramps or if this is like uh, implantation cramping. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I heard you, you know. Um, but then I was like, as the days went by, so this was a weekend. So Monday came by, Tuesday came by. And I was like, oh, man, I just I started feeling very like, you know, like pre-period cramp, like cramping, like symptoms, like bloating, and you know, just like not feeling well. You're just like, ugh. So I I was like, for sure, I was like, I'm not pregnant. For sure, I'm going to get my period at the end of the week. I was already in tears. I was like, this didn't work. Yeah, I was just, I was devastated at that point. I was like, oh, my God. You know what? It's not going to happen. Um, so, um. You know, before, obviously, during all this process, of course, there's been, like, I have joined, like, a million and one, like, um, forums, like, IVF forums and, like, Instagram uh, accounts that I started following. And so I know the process, like, uh, but now, like, now it's my turn and now I'm actually going through it. So I knew that some women would test, uh, you know, well, you know, what they, like, um, the little pee stick, <laughs> the whole at-home test kits, um, they would test early before their actual blood draw to see, you know, you can see uh, whether or not, you know, the HCG hormone um, in your body is rising. Um, so I was like, no, don't test until, you know, the blood draw because that's the most accurate. Um, but you know what? I, at that point, I was just like desperate. I was like, I need some answers. <laughs> um, yeah. So I went to the store and I got, you know, the at-home pregnancy test um and then lo and behold it was positive um you know first positive pregnancy test in right at that point it had been almost two years oh my god how like just imagine the feeling did you did you tell your husband right away yeah I think he was like probably like standing next to me (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, how exciting. Was he getting worried because of like how you were feeling? Was he also like, oh my oh, gosh? Oh yeah, totally. Because he's like, oh no, we were both already like, you're always so like guarded when you're going through this because it's like you want to be like cautiously optimistic for everything. Um, not getting your hopes right. up too high um, because, you know, like IVF, like it doesn't guarantee a baby. And like, it's just like, I think a lot of people do have that, like, you know, find it as like, oh yeah, you're doing IVF, like it's going to happen. It's like, well, not really. You don't know, you know, you really don't know until you actually have a baby in your hands. So, um, so, I mean, of course, like it was, it was stressful. Um, and then, but of course, like once we saw that positive, it's like, okay, that settled our nerves for a bit. And then again, another, um, another week of waiting to get my blood drawn. And then uh, I remember taking that day off of work because it was like a Thursday. And I was like, well, just in case, you know, if I'm, if I, we get not like good news, like I don't have to be at work. And he right. did the same. So it was, it was nice. But if we get good news, then we can go celebrate. <laughs> mm-hmm. So did you take uh, any more at home tests? Oh, or you just left it at the one? Oh no, I took like four. <laughs> I was about to say, like, we always take, like, so many. We're like, is the line getting darker? What's going to happen? Let's try this one. So I was like, I wonder if she just took the one and waited. Oh, no, no, no. no. I, I, took, I took, like, I took the one and then I, I like, did one another, two, like, every two days uh, leading up to my blood draw. I took one just to make sure that the line was getting darker. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, so, I yeah, like, I went through three boxes of those tests. Yeah. Whereas you have to buy like a good little stash and have them there. <laughs> yeah, now I know that you can, it's cheaper to go on Amazon and get the little strips. So, mm-hmm. FYI. Yeah. <laughs> but- <laughs> I currently have a box in my house. So, <laughs> me and Carla, Carla actually told me about those when we first started trying. So, I have a box of the little strips. I'm like, these are cheap. So, I could just test whenever I want. Exactly. <laughs> out. Here, here, you want to bring <laughs> But yeah, no, that's true because they, they are expensive. Like they are pricey. Like the ones you get to the store, you yes. get like one or two. And then, I mean, that's just not enough. <laughs> I know one or two. That's crazy. No, it's not enough. So you want to keep trying and testing and making sure that everything's going the way that it's supposed to. Um, so yeah, I I spent quite a bit of money on that, but it's fine. <laughs> um, and so, so the we, day of the blood work, how did you guys feel? Like, were you nervous? Or are you yes, excited? I, I mean, you can't, you had an idea that you were, so... Exactly. So at that point, I was just hoping to hear the numbers that we wanted to hear. Um, so again, going back to the HCG hormone, like, uh, I think they, they wanted like at least a 50 or 60. I don't know. Um, so then when they called me and then with the results, um, they were like, oh, your levels are like over 300. I was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. And so I was like, yay, we're pregnant. <laughs> it, was, it was just very reassuring. And then um, and then at that point, they gave us your appointment to schedule the first ultrasound. Um, so just like with IVF, everything is like, um, there's just a lot of testing, a ton of monitoring, testing, making sure everything is going the right way. Um, so now like looking back, I mean, at that point I was probably considered like, I don't know, like five weeks pregnant, um, just because of the timing and then the, how long the embryo has already been alive at that point, you know? And Mm -hmm. so the timing is just very interesting to follow along, um, so they scheduled my first appointment for my, like, when I was supposed to be, like, seven weeks. 
um, six or seven weeks pregnant. And then, um, yeah, at that point we were able, they do like the, they do the, the internal ultrasounds, the intravaginal mm-hmm. ultrasounds at that point. Cause like everything is so small for an, an external, like a regular ultra, abdominal ultrasound to, to monitor. So, but we were able to see like the little flicker of the heartbeat and you know, just the little baby like growing. And, yeah. and I mean, honestly, I thought I was going to be like, you know, in tears, crying, like super happy, but I guess I was still like very guarded. My trying to guard my emotions just in case things didn't go the right way. But I was happy, of course. I was through like super excited, but very guarded still. Um, again, just. Was your husband able to come with you to the ultrasound though? So we were very lucky that our specialist um, allowed him to come into all my appointments. That's that's amazing. So I was like, he was able, like the whole first trimester, he was able to come in to appointments with me and we're very blessed that that was allowed. Um, the rest of the pregnancy, though, of course, he was not. <laughs> it was so sad. So I just remember yeah. having to record everything. But so finally, um, I think we were, uh, I think it was at, when I was like eight weeks pregnant or 10 weeks pregnant or so, like getting ready to get, um, you know, transferred over to my regular OB at that point. Um, I actually started having some spotting, which really terrified me <laughs> at that point. I was like, what is this? Um, I do remember at this time I was going, I was between jobs actually. So that was actually added stress. And I was, I just remember having to like run around to a lot of different places to make sure I'm turning in paperwork, everything. So I think that added stress, you know, and me like literally like being like too active, (laughs) um, led to that spotting, um, of course, you know, it's super scary and it's like, oh my gosh, am I having a miscarriage? Like, what is happening? Um, when I call the doctors, they don't seem too concerned um, just because the amount of spotting that I had wasn't concerning. Um, but of course, they still had me come in and I had my ultrasound done. Everything was fine. Baby was right on track, but still super scary. Um, so finally, I was able to transition to my new job. Things settled down, um, you know, as much as they could. Um and I was able to go to my my new doctor to my actual OB. So that was that was the process of the IVF itself. Um, the whole first trimester, I had to get the progesterone and oil injections once a day. Those were not fun. Um, I still Wait, to you this- you're getting more shots. Like you're getting shots right before, and then you get pregnant, and then you more shots. Yes. So with um, because this is again all artificial, like. It's, it's a way, another way of like getting you pregnant. You you they want to make sure that your body has like all the hormone levels that it actually needs to sustain the pregnancy. It just kind of a, a added help to your body at that point. So I had to be on progesterone for an additional ten weeks. So like from so like from when they did the transfer uh, for a total of ten weeks. That was oh, rough. Wow. That was oh, a lot of injections. Um, I still have to date um, the knots in my like. On, on my butt from the yeah. progesterone injections so they've gone down but they're still there um but yeah it was wow. it was rough you know most of the time they were fine every now and then I'm like oh my gosh that would that would hurt <laughs> it's like yeah. there's only so many more spaces where you can inject but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then we got 
moved over to my OB and that, well, that was, you know, that was it with regards for the IVF portion of it. And your OB took um, over after the first trimester? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, and I was going to ask you, so because of the timing and everything, are you technically pregnant for a less than 40 weeks? Like because the embryo age and all of that and like you were considered five weeks at like 10 days or am I misunderstanding that um so remember so like I guess I I I mean I'm not sure exactly so it should still be the 40 weeks I mean I'm not sure exactly how it's calculated honestly like even with the pregnancy apps you can do the calculation like um when your estimated due date is based on the embryo age and when it was transferred so very wow. interesting. I, I'm not too familiar as to yeah. how it, you know, is counted, but um, but yeah. So normally they'll they'll count like the day from the first day from your last menstrual period, correct? And then they'll count that way. Mm-hmm. But since I didn't really have like, I mean, I wasn't able to do that. They go based off of when the embryo was transferred and the embryo age. So I'm not sure technically what it amounts wow. to, but from That's September so through May. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how I never was your about pregnancy? Did you get like symptoms right away or Yes. And I was very nauseous. I was like I had a lot of food aversions. Um nauseous but not throwing up, which was good. A lot of food aversions. Um I had never had any like I've never been like easy to be grossed out, but I remember very clearly one day I had to clean out the fridge and I couldn't. And I was like, I'm about to throw up here. I can't do this. So, um, but I kept talking to all my friends who were moms and they were like, that's good. That means that you're really pregnant. So I'm like, why? I guess so. You know, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll take that into consideration, you know, making sure like I'm still feeling symptoms. But one symptom that I had that I never realized I would experience during pregnancy was just feeling very bloated. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I just feel like, I just, like, I felt like I had too much salt the day before. Like, everything yeah. was just like, I'm like, I feel poofy, I don't feel like myself. And so first trimester symptoms were kind of interesting, to say the least. Um, I guess, I don't know if a lot of people just don't talk about it, or I just, you know, but... um. It was like I remember having the food aversions, the feeling of being bloated, and just the fatigue. Those were the three primary symptoms I had. Um, said goodbye to coffee that first trimester, and it was a struggle. Um, oh my gosh! <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean that was pretty much it. And of course, you know, as the time went by, things got better. Um, and then I was like, okay, at that point, I had been cleared to go back, like to, you know, resume my regular exercise activity and routine. Um, keep in mind that um, during the whole IVF process of, especially during the egg retrieval, you're not allowed to do like lift a finger, essentially, um, because your ovaries are so large that they could like, you could cause ovarian torsion, which is like essentially your ovaries just twisting. Um so, um, yeah, it's a really scary situation. So it's like, okay, yeah, I just made sure to, like, not do much at that time. Um, but then COVID came along and um, everything was closed. So I couldn't do much either then other than work out from home. And then so once I was given the go-ahead to go back to working out, um, I did. And at this point, I was like, what, maybe December, like November, December, 
of 2020. And I was just doing like little things uh, here and there, nothing crazy. But I do remember having spelling again at that time. At that time, I was already like four, almost five months pregnant. Um, and then I got really scared. Um, so I was like, at that point, I was just like, we all remember going to the hospital, everything checked out, everything was fine. But they were like, yeah, you just don't do anything. at this point. Just like, because I, mean, I, I guess my body's just super sensitive and any extra st- like stress to it was causing the bleeding. And I'm like, well, let's just prevent this from happening. And I just won't do anything at this point anymore. <laughs> So it was it was just stressful. Um, I think you know I was kind of like walking on eggshells like the whole pregnancy. Um, obviously COVID, trying to protect myself, not catch it. Um, all the spotting and bleeding circumstances, like issues that I had, you know, early on. So that was really stressful for me. Um, but and then you know when the time came like uh, to get my vaccinated, uh, it's like they're like, do you want to get vaccinated? And I'm like, it was so so terrifying. But what I ended up doing was that I I waited until my 20 week ultrasound, and then at that point everything checked out. So I was like, okay, we'll go ahead and get vaccinated at this point. I felt comfortable doing that because at that point I was like, well, baby's like all like pretty much fully developed they just need to grow at this point um so at that point I was like okay we'll do it so yeah I mean fortunately everything went fine and I was okay and the rest of my pregnancy was pretty uneventful um and then uh, I do remember the baby was just like always measuring on the larger end um and the doctor was really concerned at one point. He was like, are you, like, eating healthy? Are you not? Like, what are you eating? I'm like, I swear to God, I'm eating, like, fine. I, like, I literally, like, I, I was eating, like, I mean, I wasn't going overindulging. So I'm just, he's like, well, I think you just have a big baby. And I'm like, okay. And I mean, yeah, she ended up being pretty big. She was almost nine pounds. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but uh, yeah, like the rest of the pregnancy went, went pretty smoothly. Um, I was still kind of sad that Kevin couldn't join me um, for the rest of the ultrasounds and the appointments. So I think he like, he does feel like he missed out on a lot, but I would always just like record everything for him. And, you know, if he had any questions that he wanted me to ask the doctor, I would ask them. And um, so it was, it was okay. I mean, overall, I mean, definitely not the way I, I pictured my first pregnancy going, but, you know, it's still, everything worked out for the best. That's and then awesome. did, you, did you have to go with a specific OB or do all OBs handle like IVF cases or did you have a choice or was it someone highly recommended from the RE? So my it was my OB uh, OB guy that initially recommended me to the RE the specialist and then I just went back to him. Okay. And he was like, oh yeah, he he does everything. So he was he's been, he's pretty familiar with the process and what to expect. Um, mm-hmm. So it was nice to to be able you know to talk to him because he already knew um, what I had been through. Yeah, and you already had a relationship with him before, anyway. So, oh yes, and I love my my doctor. He's the uh, like most excellent bedside manners ever. Um, so I really felt comfortable with him. That's awesome. That's really really good for sure. Since the process itself was like already so like full of planning and processes and steps, 
Did you plan at all for the actual labor and delivery or how did you go about? Because I feel like there's so much you already have to think about that. I, I don't know if that's something you thought about a lot. Did you do anything? You know, did you hire like a doula or any kind of edu childbirth education classes or anything like that? I mean, there was so much on your plate that I would, you know. Right. No, honestly, like any other, like, I, you know, me being such a planner, I, I surprisingly didn't plan for the actual birth of it, the birth, because I had heard so often that it's like, well, you know, the birthing plans can go out the window, you know. Mm at the, you know, when time comes. So I was like, well, I didn't want to be disappointed. So I just kind of was like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Looking mm -hmm. back, though, I wish I had more of, uh, like, a foundation as to, like, what to expect, what to ask mm -hmm. for, like, be more like, of an advocate for myself during the actual delivery. Um because I felt like things were just kind of like, everything just happened so quickly. So, and then you're just kind of, I don't know, your mind is not fully there. So mm. it was just a lot to process. And, you know, being first-time parents, you know nothing. <laughs> Going right. into the hospital. So it, it was it was a lot. So I wish I would have done a little bit more, um, you know, digging research on my own or hired someone or to help me along the process. And, you know, to tell me, like, is this normal? Is this not? Like, what do you think of this? Um, yeah, definitely looking back, it, that would have been nice to have that additional support. I was going to ask you with the, do you guys get to like meet the other people going through IVF at the same time? Like, do you get to build a community with them? Because I think that that is like such a missed opportunity if you guys don't, because I'm like, oh. it would be cool to have each other's numbers to like, hey, like, how are you feeling? Are you doing, you know, because you guys are doing it at the same time. It's just a missed opportunity if it's not happening. Totally, totally. I agree. Um, I, I don't know why the clinic doesn't encourage it either. You know, like you have like the same people coming in and out of the clinic for like months at a time. So the fact that, you know, no one ever gets together, um, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of sad. <laughs> we should be supportive of each other. Um, I think also a lot of it um, had to do because obviously with COVID, like the social distancing, it was hard to do, period. Um, one of the things that I feel that I was lucky enough to find was a big IVF community on Instagram, on social media, um, that I ultimately am still a part of, you know, um, I have... You know, this is the first time that I'm actually telling my story for everyone to hear. Um, I think right now at this point, obviously, like only the closest people to us and like our very good friends like know about it. Um, but we have been open with, with multiple people. Um, and it's been nice to like for those people to that like, like, oh, well, actually, I have a friend that's going through this. And it's like, oh, OK, so. You know, if they ever have questions, like, feel, like have them, you know, reach out to us, too, if they ever need anything. So, you know, building that community with others is something that has been nice to do. But, of course, you know, for me, like, that emotional social support has come a lot of it from um, social media, which has been interesting. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad you found some community there, at least, because I know that m there must be so many questions and, like, so many unknowns that you're like, what do I do? What do I expect? And stuff like that. Um, yeah. With your family, you know, you said that you opened up a little bit about like to some of your family and friends. Were they aware of what was happening from the beginning? 
Um, and if so, how did they react? Were they hurtful or helpful? Um, so when I was telling you a little bit about myself earlier, that I think we're both Kevin and I are super close to our families. Um, we're kind of very transparent with them about everything, um, especially our parents. Um, so I know that with my mom, I've obviously like the first people that we told were, were my parents and my, you know, my mother-in-law, like they're very, like such an important part of our lives. So they were definitely like the first people that we told, you know, you know, three tears and whatnot, because it was just such an emotional time for us. But having their support and knowing that they were there for us, like was really just nice and helpful. Um, you know, for them too, I mean, it's the first time that anyone in our family has to go through any of this. So it was a big learning experience. Once we told my parents, and at that point, like, okay, we started telling more people, you know, I'm very close to my aunts. So we told my aunts, um, we told obviously my brothers, um, I have two brothers that we told my sister-in-law. Um, so just little by little, we started telling people at that point. Um, and then, of course, our closest friends uh, that went through pharmacy school with us, um, we've just known them for so long now. You know, it's like over 10 years of friendship. So they were very close to us, and they knew that we were, you know, wanting to start a family. So when they asked about it, you know, we were just honest with them. We were just open with them, and they were always very supportive, um, always asking how we were doing, how everything was. Um, you know, unfortunately, I would say most of our friends, like our close friends right now, um, don't live here in El Paso. They live all over the country. So having that, you know, immediate support group right then and there, you know, it's, it wasn't available with regards to, like, our friends, but at least, you know, emotionally, they were they were there. They've always been there. Um, so we were definitely right, relied on more of the physical support with our with our immediate family here in town. But yeah, I think we had a really good support group going along through all of this. And even now with our baby, you know, like, I don't know how people do it that don't have the family support or like just a good support group. It's hard. Um, you know, it's, it's really hard. So I'm, we're very lucky that we do have such a big support group and so many people um, have surrounded us with so much love and support, you know. Yeah, that, that's amazing. I'm glad that you were you t decided to tell your family and that they were there for you throughout everything. What would you do anything differently if you just in the IVF portion, like would you have done anything differently now that you can look back at your experience? Or if you're going to do it again, would there be anything different? So, oh my gosh, like, I think because our IVF story went the way that we wanted it to go, and ultimately, you know, we ended up with what we wanted, with, which was our baby, you know. Um, at this point, I, I don't think I would change anything, but, you know, had it not gone that way, um, yeah, I think we probably should sit down and, you know, look at to see, like, what other clinics are out there. Are they using other approaches to treatment? Is this the best treatment approach? Because I think we just kind of jumped the gun on it. It's like, okay, well, this is what's available and we can do it now. So let's do it now. You know, we honestly, we didn't do much research to, to be honest with you, with regards to that specific clinic that's here in town. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, overall, like, we, we were we don't have any issues with them um they they helped us a lot and they're very supportive um so and you know everything went well for us so had you know things gone differently then of course i think i would have sat down with my husband and you know reevaluated 
the situation and see if this was ultimately the best option for us. But I think so far, everything was pretty standard. You know, from the research that I've done now, everything that I went through was pretty standard, you know, for the first time IVF, you know, people going through it. Okay. And then if you want to tell us a little like your your birth story, I know just how how did it go? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's very interesting to me that now I, I just love talking to people that have experienced different things because you had like those jitters, that uncertainty, like your whole pregnancy. And it's interesting because you've never had a miscarriage. And so that's usually something that I feel like people that have had a miscarriage experience, like that uncertainty in the pregnancy the whole time, you're kind of like detached almost. Like, you know, it's happening, but it's like, let's keep a safe distance to protect ourselves. So it's really interesting to me that you brought that up because, because like you said, IVF doesn't guarantee a baby. So it's interesting that that's the same kind of coping mechanism that someone that's ex- doing IVF would have as well because you're, you you want to stay a safe distance from the pregnancy. So going into the labor and delivery, how was that for you guys? Like, did you still feel very nervous? Were you excited? I think at that point, like once we reached, like once I reached the, the third trimester, I think that's when I finally allowed myself to relax a little bit, to let my guard down a little bit. Um, because at that point I was like, well, you know, in case if anything were to happen, um, she's fully developed to where I can deliver her and she will survive, you know, or mm-hmm. she has a much higher likelihood of survival versus right. had I, you know, had a preterm delivery, uh, before, you know, the third trimester, it would have been much harder. Um, so I think at that point I did allow myself to enjoy pregnancy a little bit more. Um, so I definitely went in, um, feeling more excited and yes nervous of course because it's like oh my gosh what am I going to expect like what am I going to see her um but uh it was excitement for sure that that's what I felt going in um I think at that point I was also like over being pregnant I was tired (laughs) it's like I'm like I can't breathe I can't walk I can't sleep like I just wanted her out. (laughs) So, and then, like, keep in mind, so, like, she did weigh uh, almost nine pounds. Like, she was, she's a huge baby. I don't know where she fit. (laughs) The doctor, so, we did go for the induction. I, I don't know. I'm still torn about, like, whether or not I made the right decision about the induction or not. Mostly because it's, like, uh, well, I mean, ultimately, it ended up, um, I I ended up delivering her via C-section because she ended having, uh, like, it was fetal cardiac distress. I think that was the official diagnosis. But um, I don't know. I just wish things had gone a little bit differently. I think think mentally I wasn't prepared to go through that. And everything just, like, happened in, like, the blink of an eye. And then I was like, okay, well, here we we have to do this. Get ready. And let's go. And then, boom, we have a baby. And it's like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay, wait. Why were you recommended to get the induction? And then how did you all feel coming from both of you being pharmacists with the medications that were going to be used? I'm interested because you guys know like medications so well that when yes. you're thinking about the induction medications and did you have a say into what you were going to use? So um, with regards to the induction, doctor recommended it. Um, mostly due to her size. Um, I think she, like I'm telling you, she always measured like a week and a half ahead and then also not only that um her head circumference was like 
pretty large. She's she's always been over the 99th percentile. So she's big, she's a big baby. What can I say? She's just big. So he yeah. was more concerned that like if we went to like to term um, that like she would be even bigger and then not be able to you know deliver her vaginally. So he was like, well, let's just do that. 39 weeks. She's considered you know she's full term. She's fine. And then you know we'll just try it right now. So I'm like, okay. Honestly, like, I also, like, I like the idea of being able to plan when the baby was coming to. <laughs> Planner in you, you're then, like, let's set this up. <laughs> exactly. Like, going back to that, it's like, it's like, okay, like, I can, that way I'm not like, well, you know, like, you know, uh, also, I don't know if you remember, but like, I mentioned that I was between jobs when I first got yeah. pregnant. So stressful. But, um, so... <laughs> Of course, like in this new job that I have, I wouldn't have qualified for FMLA at this point because I haven't been there with them for a whole year at that point. Oh my gosh. So I was like, oh my gosh, but like that way we have something scheduled. Like I won't be like wasting like all my PTO. Like, oh my gosh, you're you're reminding me so much of Carla because literally (laughs) Carla plans her life. So like, when am I going to get a new insurance? How is this going to work? When does the de- when have I reached my deductible? And I'm just like, Carla, I don't even know what you're talking about. And you she's like, how can you not know? Story? I, story? I've been doing PT, uh, physical therapy for my knee. And I've been starting since December. And I just told the receptionist, I'm like, you need to start billing everything you can because I'm hoping to get pregnant this year. So I need to meet my deductible. So it's the first week oh of January. <laughs> and I'm already like, I need to get lab work done for my thyroid. So that's a deductible. Okay, I need to start counting so that I know me my deductible. But then, no, I feel you. I totally you know feel you. I done the same thing. And I'm the opposite. I could literally. I'm like, we'll see what happens. Very go with the flow. So your your personalities are the same. I'm just. I know. Like, I'm like, how could you live like? like yes same same so yes no so I think I think that's why I was like I just kind of liked having like an end point to my like and I was always like okay so you know that was like one thing too that we had not actually planned for it like um because we knew that I wasn't going to be getting paid essentially for three months like I was like we had a plan for it we were good we you know we're lucky that we have good jobs where it's okay, you know, like, we can actually make these plans, you know, so I couldn't, like, at first I was told, like, um, you'll have to come back in six weeks, and I was like, what? Like, I don't even, like, I couldn't even wrap my head around that, because my work wasn't going to give me the full 12, because, again, I didn't qualify for FMLA, so when I was told that, I was like, oh, heck no, you're not going to make me go back in six weeks, I was like, no, this is not happening, so I remember looking, like, literally, I, like, researched um, studies as to why women have to have at, at a minimum 12 weeks with their babies for bonding and healing um, you know 12 weeks is not enough it's not you know let's be honest it's it's not enough it's never going to be enough I think maybe like maybe now I feel I would feel more comfortable with being like oh yeah you know if I needed to she lasted almost eight months um, I would be okay going back to work and feeling more like myself but you know what even like with the three months off, I, that was something that I had to fight for. <laughs> and I made sure to draft an email and cite studies that, you know, prove that <laughs> prove that I needed this time with my baby to, and to recover. So fortunately, my boss accepted it. So 
Good. Yeah, but um, I'm so sorry. I like totally sidetracked. You got induced at 39 weeks. Oh, yes. Baby was measuring big, and then yes, because of your pharmacist background and your husband being a pharmacist too, were you guys um, like super looking into the medication that would be used for induction or did you guys kind of just go with the flow? It doesn't seem like you guys go with the flow, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, um, honestly, so like, yes, I will say I have a lot of plans, but I kind of like try to go with the flow in case things don't go to plan. Like I planned it because otherwise I'll uh-huh. be upset about it. So I'll just be like, <laughs> It is what it is, you know? That's how, that's my mindset. But now we actually didn't even look at, like, what, I mean, I we kind of knew, like, which medications are typically used in, like, inductions. Um, mm-hmm. So I ended up the, getting the Cervidil first. Okay. Um, um, so that's, like, the little pill <laughs> that they put mm-hmm. in your cervix to help um, soften the cervix, ripen the cervix. And then... Uh, I think when I went in, I was, I was barely like two centimeters dilated, but I was more, I was like 50% effaced at that point, 50 or 60% effaced. So, um, knew something was happening. I just remember like leading up to it. I had been like, I had to try to do everything that they say that it will help induce, you know, labor naturally, you know, like go, uh, we went on long walks. I did a curb walking. I did everything. And I was like, nothing was happening. I just remember like in the middle of my walking sessions, I would end up with cramps, like really bad, like contractions, <laughs> but nothing happened. So I'm like, well, like, I guess she wasn't ready yet. But ultimately, like we, we went in at 39, 39 and one day, I think it was um, for induction. And went in that night, that evening, um, and I kept telling my, for some reason, I don't know why. I mean, I just kept telling myself, it's like, wait as long as you can to get the epidural. Otherwise, you know, like, I don't know. I had heard that, you know, it could slow down labor. You could, you know, possibly like not be able to time the pushing with the contraction because of the epidural, you know, so on and so forth. Again, I, I feel like I should have done, had more assistance or help from someone, but Given the fact that we're also like, I don't know, we're probably like the second group in our group of friends that has a baby. So <laughs> it's mm, still, wow, like, yeah. I didn't have much to go off of. So yeah. And then of course, like when you ask your parents, it's like, well, what happened when you had a baby? When you had us? And it's like, well, it's been like almost 30 years. So <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> and things are so different. So yeah. So that was, that was interesting. And there wasn't a lot of classes offered, um, because of COVID. So there was nothing mm-hmm. in person, unfortunately. Um, so we went in and got the Cervidal. Maybe it was like around 5.30 PM that night on the 11th. And then, um, with the Cervidal, like I thought I was going to progress some, you know, more, but you know, I like honestly got like I think I was like around eleven PM where I couldn't take it anymore. I know some people do not respond this way to Cervidil, but my body did. I was getting contraction after contraction after contraction and I could see it on the monitor. Like some people like Cervidil does nothing for them. Like absolutely nothing. So the fact that I was contracting so much with just the Cervidil, I was kind of getting concerned. Um and I could see mm-hmm. the monitor, like there was just it, like towards the end when I couldn't handle the pain anymore, it was just like one big contraction it wasn't even coming down anymore so I was like okay well this isn't good one thing I wish they would have let me do is um walk around get up from bed and walk because I wanted to do that but I couldn't 
because they were like, no, well, you have to have the fetal monitor attached. And, you know, and they, they didn't give me the option of walking, getting up and walking or getting up and trying, like, you know, to be in different positions to help assist, you know, the process. Um, so I was kind of like, I, and again, I, I didn't know that I could ask for that. I didn't know that I could ask for, um, you know, the fetal monitor that, like, that you can take with you on walks. I didn't, mm. I was completely oblivious to all of this until now that I know that you could ask for stuff. Did um, you blip the hospital name out, but did you deliver it at a hospital? Yes, <laughs> I did. Yeah. When I, when I did my orientation, that's what I call it with them. That was something I asked for and they straight up told me no. And I wasn't even in labor yet. They straight up told me no, we don't do that. So I was like, okay. That's why I went with, which I didn't end up needing it. But even then they tell you yes. But then once you're in it, they're like, no. Yeah, I know it was, you know, I mean, I mean, if, the reason why we went with them was because that's who my husband Insurance. was for. Yeah, so <laughs> they, they kind of dictate where you can and can't go, right? So it's more affordable for you to go. Um, so yeah, so like, you know, looking back, I wish there was more of, they'll let you have more of a say in what you can or can't do. And um, because I think that would have definitely helped make Oh, definitely. The like better, there's not know? even a, there's not a question about it. It would have helped you <laughs> deal with, manage the pain a lot better because exactly. I mean, that movement is so, even if it's just a distraction mechanism and it's exactly. just occupying your neuro, you know, transmitters in a different way, like it helps. So it sucks that they told you like, nope, you can't. Yeah. It was, it was big, like that pressure on your cervix, like that would have helped so much just to be able to stand up and have like the gravity. Exactly. Yes. You're laying down, it's not helping, but you get up, you like that head is going to do what it needs to do to get out. So, yeah. Totally. I agree with you guys so much. Again, though, like, just being so, like, I know, I mean, first-time parent, I didn't have much to go off of. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I guess this is normal. No, it's, not, it's not your fault. It sucks that we have to fight at every point. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not it's not at all your fault. I feel like those staff, that those nurses should encourage that because they should know that that's helpful. You know exactly. I mean, but. It is what it is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> here, here we are. But yeah, I wish things would have gone differently. Um, because like, you know, I remember the doctor coming in that evening the evening of the eleventh and he was like, Okay, you're doing well like when uh, I finally ended up asking for the epidural because I could not handle the pain anymore. Like, I was literally like shivering in pain. Like wow. <laughs> I was like so they finally asked uh, the the nurse anesthetist to come by and give me the epidural and that was one thing I did not like at all was the fact that she was pretty rude like with me like I'm like come on like you're here in pain about to deliver a child you can't even have like just just be nice to your patient you know I don't know if she's just having an off day that's just kind of how she is but she made Kevin my husband leave the room and I'm like, why are you making him leave the room? Like, he's, like, my support person. Like, you can't just, like, anyways. Oh you know, we, I didn't even question it. At that point, I just wanted, like, pain relief. The relief. Yeah. yeah. So, and, but I remember her very clearly saying, like, don't move. And I'm, like, I'm trying not to. But I was, like, literally shivering at that point because... I don't know, I guess it must have been that much pain. I'm not sure what has going on. But um, I had the nurse I had to hold me, to help me hold me, like, still. And then that way she could administer the epidural. You would think Kevin would help with that, right? Exactly. You'd think Kevin would have been of help to that anesthetist if he had been there. But 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so of course, you know, like, unfortunately, the epidural was put in correctly. Like, I, ne- I never experienced any issues with it. Um, but at that point, like, when they did, like, they put the filling in, and of course, at that point, you can't do anything. You're just in bed, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, that was that. I mean, I did, I was able to sleep a little bit, which was good. Um, because I was just like, I kept tossing and turning like before that and just so much pain. I just remember, I will always remember that, um, oh my gosh, there's like this old, uh, Twilight Zone. This Twilight Zone was playing that whole night. (laughs) Like a marathon. (laughs) So I just kept watching like show after episode after episode of that night. Um, but yeah, so I was able to sleep from like midnight until like 4 a.m., 3 a.m., 3.30, 4 a.m. But when they put in the epidural, they were like, oh, you know, maybe three centimeters and I'm like oh my god really like all that pain for nothing <laughs> I was like yeah I, I was like wow that I felt like that should have done more than that so the doctor was like oh don't worry like um he came one in that morning and he was like oh well, like you're fine like I'm gonna bring you water um that hopefully she'll speed things along and then um, we'll start the Pitocin um sh- shortly after and that way like by 8 a.m the baby should be here and I'm like, cool. So then that was the plan and everything was fine. And then next thing you know, I keep seeing the nurse that was helping me like coming, you know, in and out of the room a lot. So obviously, you know, something's not right at that point. Like what's happening? And she kept telling, like trying to have me reposition every single time that she came in. So I could, um, I guess, because they were having a hard time detecting the baby's heart. A heart rate and um she wasn't moving as much as she normally did so that's when like I was like ah man I already knew like in the back of my head it's like they're gonna say like this is not right like this is you know like we don't want to cause more fetal distress and so I was like okay well that there's just like at that point she's like I'm gonna have to call the doctor and then yeah she called him he came in right away he read the report and then he was like you know what I'm gonna recommend the c-section at this time and you know at that point like what do you do like I mean I I was just like you know what just get her out of if she's gonna have end up with more issues because I'm don't want her out yet you know like or she's not coming out on her own like I don't want to be the the cause of that so yeah I mean they prepped me and got me ready to for the OR like really fast they told my husband to pack everything and you know get it ready to go because we're leaving and yeah within like I think so he told us this around like 7 30 a.m or so and she was born at like 7 20 I mean 8 20 so within an hour she was born everything just happened so fast though I remember like because like even we were like on a big family group chat um mm-hmm. with like my tias and my mom and you know everyone mm-hmm. and they're like how oh, are you are you okay and like everything's fine is baby here yet and then like next thing you know like we're telling them it's like oh we're gonna be having a c-section and they're like what like no one was expecting it you know uh she was born healthy um little like i think like eight and a half pounds or so um mm-hmm. and then it was just oh my gosh the minute you had her in your arms though it's just like oh and you can, like, breathe relief, you know, finally, she's yeah. here. Oh, so, how big was her head after all? Huge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, to be honest, the, the size of her head, but even to date, uh, she's still measuring, like, in the 98th, 99th percentile. But she's, she's proportional, I will say. She's proportional. <laughs> they grow into their heads. Because my yeah. son had a big head too. That's why I'm like, I wonder how big her head was. 
I don't know the actual. I'll, I'll, I'll have to look for it and send you the, yeah. the information. But yeah, she's. You gotta come get our big headed babies. <laughs> I know, right? No, yeah, she's a pretty hefty child, too. Um, So she had those little rolls and she's Aww, a chunky she's baby. So cute. She's, yeah, she's she's adorable, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So like, I think um, you know, fortunately, um, the C-section went well. Um, I was up and moving like whenever they took the foley out, and I think it was either that night or the following morning that they actually let me go up and like get up and walk. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't experience any complications, thankfully, um, and I was good. Um, I was good to go. Um, so that was my birth story. Um, I will say that leading up to it, I watched some videos, like birthing videos, and I'm like, oh my God, what is this? I kept freaking myself out. So I just, I was like, I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what? You know, that's just kind of what happened. And um, I mean, it didn't go the way that I had thought it was going to go, you know, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see for the next one, you know, whenever that happens, uh, what our plan is, if we do end up with one, um, you know, we'll see. And was it a painful recovery at all, like with the incision site and all that, or you felt pretty good? I will say, like, it is pretty painful, like a whole, like, for the whole week after delivery, like I was, I was in pain. Like, but it, this was also I blame myself because I did not take, I refused to take the the narco, which is the you know the pain mm-hmm. medication. Um, I refused mm-hmm. to take narco, and I opted to just do Motrin um, uh-huh. <laughs> because I I know what with the narco. So this is the pharmacist in me. I know that narco can increase the likelihood of feeling constipated. So I was like, oh, heck no. I just like had, a, you know, a baby like pop out of my stomach. And I don't want to have to add to that, you know, fear of, you know, like not being able to go to the bathroom because of the medication that I'm taking. So I refused it. I, I was like, I'm not taking this. And then so I was just taking the Motrin. But that was clearly not enough. And I think I... <laughs> So lesson learned, if I ever end up needing another C-section, just take your medication and then add some extra like fiber to your diet and you should be fine. Right. But, <laughs> but yeah, so this was, I totally blame myself. That was like all on me. Like I think had I taken my medication the way I was supposed to, my pain meds, I would have been completely fine. But I was in a little bit of pain and it, I didn't really start feeling like myself again until like two weeks after delivery. And how was your postpartum? Like, if you could describe it, like how did you experience it? Was it what you expected? Was it harder? Okay, well, I was really, really lucky that my husband was able to be with me for a whole month after delivery. Mm-hmm. So that was so nice to be able to have him there with me and help with everything. Um, like if I needed help to like, because like even getting in and out of like a sitting position with a C-section, it's hard. So just because like you're, you're putting all that extra pressure on your abdomen. So it's just like, I just, it was easier for him to just bring me things, bring things to me or like help me with things or helping me get in and out so it was just so nice to have him there um it was a very emotional time I think that month after like delivery you're just going through so much change um you know change like you now have like this new little newborn to take care of um they completely rely on you for everything um and you're learning so much every day what to do. Uh, you're running on little to no sleep, so it can be very stressful, as you guys might know. So, um, 
It was hard. I definitely found myself crying a lot. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I experienced like postpartum, like baby blues. Uh, I know I did. I know I did for sure. But it was so, the one thing that did help me a lot was having obviously my family support group and just letting them know what I was going through. That it's just hard. You know, like it just, sometimes I just told my husband, just, just hold me and let me cry. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. we'll be fine. And yeah, we were right. fine. But yeah. I'm tearing up. It's emotional. <laughs> it was good though. I mean, I think like after the month, I felt it was like, okay, we're good. We're doing good. We're keeping her alive. We're keeping ourselves alive. And we're keeping the house running. Um, keep in mind, we have a zoo at home. We have uh, three dogs and one cat. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so <laughs> I know. So like, I was just like dealing with like having, you know, a newborn and then everything else going on in life. Um, I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Um, again, I'm so happy that both of us were there. And I don't, you know, I applaud single parents because how they do it. I don't know. It's it's crazy. It's like survival mode. <laughs> so, yeah. So they have to pull out some weird strength from somewhere because exactly yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, like I mean, honestly, like it was it was just nice to to have you know to have everyone or you know at least you know your partner to be with, which is your primary support person, and then you know having him go through all of this with with me it was just nice to let know that we were both going through it together and I wasn't alone um so it was definitely postpartum was rough it's a whole another monster in its own and I guess I never I I I never I mean you don't know what to expect until you go through it um Mm -hmm. but uh it's hard (laughs) I will say that I think that's the word to describe it just hard hard (laughs) did did, um it take a while for Kevin to adjust or how do you think he did? Cause like for me and my husband, he's had a really hard time like adjusting to being a dad. And I know for some men, it just comes a little more like naturally. So I, how did he handle it? Um, I mean, I think overall he's, he's a great, he's an amazing dad, right? I mean, he's always there to like, if I ever need anything or if he knows the baby needs something like he's there for her. Um, so like he's, he's an amazing dad, but I do see where, like, he can get a little bit frustrated, and I'm like, and then the baby feels your frustration, and then it's like, ah, we're both, you know, everyone has a crying. <laughs> so, we have a cry party together. <laughs> exactly. So, it's, it was hard, you know, I think, I mean, yeah, so, like, he, we're, we're learning, we're both learning, you know, mm-hmm. how to become a parent, how to be a parent, and, um, but um, when do you think um, it was, it's been hard, you know, especially when she was a lot younger, up until six months when she started solids. At that point, like, I had been exclusively breastfeeding her, so she's mm-hmm. super attached to mom, super attached. Really, like, mm-hmm. she just wants mom sometimes, and, like, it sucks because I want him to have that, you know, same relationship where he feels like, oh, she just wants me and only me, and I know it's going to come down the road when she's older, but, like, that still hasn't happened and it sucks because I know he wants that too. <laughs> so it's like I'm your dad. I'm For me dad. it happened at two years. Like she's all about daddy and he's like, oh my God. And I'm like, yeah, keep her. She was like the best <laughs> So yeah, she's all about puppy this, puppy that. So it's coming. It's coming. I keep telling him it's coming, but good to know around two years. Oh yeah. like, here's your daughter. I'm, I'm, she's I'm calling you. 
like when she starts crying, they're like, hey, your daughter's calling you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can help you, baby. She's like, no, puppy. And I'm like, okay, well, too bad. I You're tried. like, all right. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I think he's still, we're still waiting for that moment to happen. Um, but also, one of the hard things was that sometimes, um, I remember one of my friends had told me, it's like, you might feel touched out sometimes, but. And your mm-hmm. husbands are going to feel like, feel that, you know, like ignoring them, blowing them off. But, you know, it's uh, sometimes it is like you have the baby with you all day and all night. And then it's like you just want to break to yourself. And then it's like when you do have that break, your husband is like, oh, you know what? Like, hey, let's just have some new time to have some, uh, us time. And it's like, go away. <laughs> so, yeah. so um, I think that's been like, interesting you know to see but you know it's it's getting better I think definitely the first few weeks postpartum are hard um because you're recovering like you're going through like you know from peak of like having these all these hormones in your body to like having nothing like (laughs) just your body being depleted of everything it's like whoa you know you just it's a big adjustment so it's like I do tell him it's like don't like I, I love you and I'm like very like thankful for you but don't think I'm pushing you away it's just it's just it's just this you know <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the whole having a baby. Want, you want your body for yourself and you're like I don't want to hug anyone I don't it's, want anyone on breastfeeding yeah. like I just want to be by myself for two minutes that's it <laughs> exactly so yeah so that's I think that's definitely been an adjustment for both of us and like our relationship. Karen, to close things off, so what would be your piece of advice for someone that's on an IVF journey or just a mom in general that wants someone that wants to be a mom or is about to become a mom? What would be your piece of advice? Okay, so definitely um Oh, becoming a mom. That's such a like a big question. No, um, so definitely make sure that um you have uh, that you're in a good headspace yourself. Um, that you're healthy as much well, as much as you can. Um, take your vitamins. You know, here's the healthcare in me person. <laughs> take your vitamins. You know, make sure that everything is good to go. Um, if you're you're uh, someone that's gonna try to get pregnant for the first time, I do recommend you know don't only go get yourself tested to make sure that everything's okay with you, but also you know, involve your partner in that, have them get tested too. Because like, can you imagine like how we both got them tested at the same time initially from the get go? Like we would have saved like almost a year of waiting, you know, disappointment, you know? Um, So I definitely recommend if that's something like, even if you both are young, if you you both are relatively healthy, just go get checked out. Make sure that at least, you know, the basic minimum requirements are, are good to go. Um, that saves a lot of time and stress, to be honest with you. Um, and then of, that's, you know, more of the health component of, you know, being becoming a parent or becoming a mom um, or getting pregnant. Um, but with regards to, like, emotionally speaking, I would definitely say find your support group, find your, you know, talk to people, try not to, I mean, at least for me, like, it was good to open up to others and to speak about what was going on um, and not just internalizing it because I feel like that that would have just been so much more added stress that I I can't deal with myself. Like, I feel like I need an outlet. I need to speak to someone um, and make sure that um, 
you know, mentally I'm okay too. Yeah, that's true. All of that is just taking care of ourselves. So I love that you said that. Carla, did you have any other questions? No, I'm just like excited. Like for, I, this was the, I mean, I've only heard another IVF story. So it was like really exciting to know like what you guys went through the process and everything. But I, I hear so much of what you're saying that why can it be both partners, right? Like to get tested at the beginning, because You know, we were at the point where I was almost like, and there's a whole one year mark, like so much can happen in a year. So it's kind of like, why make them wait? And so is there any plans for like another baby soon? Or are you guys going to just wait a little bit? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, she's eight, she's going to be eight months on the 12th. So just in the oh, she's a little. She's such mm. a little baby. I don't know. I want to enjoy her. I mean, I know like I have a lot of people like in that like have their kids back to back. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's amazing, right? Like if, we, if you guys want to do that and if you're all for it, like you guys do it. But For me, like right now, um, I still like, I, in order for me to continue doing what I'm doing with my life, which is working full time <laughs> and, um, you know, being a mom also, and then, um, you know, getting to do everything that I want, um, I, I want to take it a little bit more slowly, um, maybe, you know, within the next, by the time she's turning two, we'll start thinking about maybe doing another transfer. We still have time on our side, but so that's something nice that we can, you know, we right. can uh, bank on. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I think at that point, you know, we'll, we'll consider potentially another transfer. So what, that will be in 2023? Yeah, 2023. So next year. Um, but for now, we want to enjoy her, um, you know, spend as much time with her as I can. And yeah. thank you so much yeah, for sharing thank you so much. everything with us. I really yeah. like, I was super excited to talk to you and I... I'm just very grateful that, you know, Kevin connected us and that you were willing to come on as well. And for the listeners out there, we do have another IVF story from Andrea Silva Brown, and that's on the Instagram lives. So if you guys want to check out her story to see how she dealt with it, because I think it's just such a IVF is just something that's not talked about a lot in depth. And so I'm really grateful that Kara and Andrea have talked about it with us. And thank you so much, Kara. Like no, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it.